Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. So you want to look for those things because humans' greatest strength, our greatest strength is adaptability. That's how we can live in the hottest and coldest climates and places like Death Valley and the tops of mountains. We can survive anywhere. We're incredibly adaptable. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Previously, we looked at how your relationship with your parents, and more specifically, your acknowledgement of their flaws, is essential to claiming self-authority. Ignoring reality is dangerous, have you noticed? In the short term, it gives us relief and removes the discomfort of non-optimal experiences, but in the long term, ignoring reality makes us incapable of recognizing what's actually real. I'm going to say that again. In the long term, ignoring reality makes us incapable of recognizing what's actually real, which of course leads to suffering. The job of any adult is to reparent themselves, and in order to do that effectively, you have to recognize where the deficit is. This episode was originally recorded as part of the Claiming Self-Authority course, available at courses.clearandopen.com. Speaking of courses, I've got a new one coming up, and I want to tell you about it. I've wanted to cover essential leadership tools for a while, but I couldn't find the angle to make it really powerful. I'm talking about tools like visions, org charts, job descriptions, etc. These are all important, but not in the ways most people think. When I do business development with clients, I have them create these kinds of things, but a course on the basics didn't excite me. And then I remembered where the power really was, and I want to recite my favorite Michael Gerber quote, from the best-selling book, Emith Revisited, to illustrate. He says, The problem with most failing businesses I've encountered is not that their owners don't know enough about finance, marketing, management, and operations. They don't, but those things are easy enough to learn. But that they spend their time and energy defending what they think they know. The greatest business people I've met are determined to get it right, no matter what the cost. What Gerber says here points to the confusion between context and content that is epidemic in our society. How to create a budget, a repeat sales process, a marketing plan, these are not difficult tasks once you know the basics of how to do it. That's the content, the tool. Where the opportunity lies is in the context, the resistance you run into, what stops you from doing it well, and what stops you from actually using it. These kinds of issues, these are often deep emotional issues, psycho-spiritual issues. They are, in other words, the context of how you relate to the content of the tool. I've been helping people go through this process for almost 20 years, and yeah, that makes me feel old, but that's okay. And almost no one gets it done without a lot of prodding inspiration and help understanding what's getting them stuck. So in this course, I'm going to cover the nine most essential business tools and tell you how to do them well. But more importantly, I'm going to coach you through the most common issues that get in the way. This is typically only what I do with individual clients, but I'm going to do it in a group format for the first time ever. How I'm going to pull that off, I honestly don't know at the moment. That's the challenge that gets me excited about this course. 
Your challenge is to take it on. This course I'd consider a requirement for any business owner, but it will significantly help anyone with a job, especially managers. For more information, please go to clearandopen.com slash essential. Again, that's clearandopen.com slash essential. This course is such a meaty task. I'm teaching it in two parts. Part one begins in the summer quarter, June 24th, 2021, and runs nine consecutive weeks. Part two runs 11 weeks consecutively, beginning September 9. You can join anytime if you're brave, and I hope to see you there. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. I've never thought about that. And <laughs> to think about uh, my uh, homework for this week and the fact that I, I gave my dad an entire hall pass, didn't even bring it up except the very last line was, oh yeah, there were years of infidelities. Like It was three-figure level of infidelities. And I wrote five pages and that came across in one sentence at the very end. It's, oh yeah, and he kind of let himself have extra curricular activities. Yeah. It's fascinating. Like I've never thought about the hall pass that we give our parents as a topic. I, that, that whole concept is just fascinating to me. So I, and I, I, I'm assuming there's a ton more to go there, but that, that kind of blew my mind 20 minutes ago. So Good. I just wanted to throw that out there. Thank you, Ed. Good. And thanks for reminding me about that. You were not the only person who reported an affair in your parents and did so rather casually. What I did not see in anybody's homework and, and please I don't want to like calling anyone's assignment. I don't like calling it homework. Don't want to position myself as an authoritarian teacher. And this is not about making anybody wrong. You guys, you, the way you did it is exactly how you needed to do it. Cool. Look at, look at it again. That's going to be part of the assignment. Look at it again and see where you started to get clear about where your parents screwed up and then forgave them for it. I don't recall seeing anybody writing, and my father had an affair which was a profound violation of trust in the family that surely everyone felt, whether we talked about it or not. And my father's profound childlike, childish insecurity and you know, playing victim to his own carnal needs, his betrayal, his lack of being his word, And on and on and on and on. Because when someone has an affair like that, that's what's going on. It's not a one-sentence thing. It's a profound failure of character that spiderwebs out into many other things. It speaks to their very existential relationship to truth and their own word. Now, that's not to say that it can't be repaired or evolved past. And very often such things happen exactly so that the person makes a mess that they have to clean up. But that's what I saw. And, and I gave you guys, I made comments on, I think everybody, everybody who sent me a Google Doc, I made comments on. And by the way, while I'm on that subject, if I ask you a question in a comment on a Google Doc you sent me, it's not rhetorical. In fact, I almost never ask rhetorical questions. If you don't answer the question, you won't get any more because you're telling me I don't want to go any deeper and I will listen. So if I ask, if you give me your work, there's an implicit agreement that I'm now making explicit that I get to comment on it. And if I ask you a question, that's an assignment to answer it. 
Because what will happen and happens all the time is my questions will attempt to pull at the loose thread to unravel something that a part of you doesn't want to look at. So your job is to be bigger than that part and answer it really well. Definitely don't ignore it. But if you ignore it, that's fine. You just may get less questions from me in the future if I remember that you didn't answer them. I won't remember all the time. So you will get more questions, but eventually I'll catch on and be like, hmm, I'm wasting my time with this person who actually is not curious. And then I'll bring my attention to something or someone else. So that's the deal. I don't ask questions just for the fun of it. If I asked you a question, it's because 90% of the time I saw something and you'd be crazy not to look. Or you're just not curious and that's fine. In the end, it's all fine. Life will ask you that question eventually. I'm just trying to be its minion. So yeah, it's an, it speaks to a really good example. It's, I remember the first time I was in a, uh, a therapy group and I remember exactly the moment where the, I was 26, 27. And uh, there was a lot of conversation. We were doing sort of a group history of people talking about their history. And I remember the moment where the first thread of my sweater got pulled on. And I remember the moment where I said, you know, I think I had a, a pretty good childhood except for getting hit by that car. And then I just started to weep. I was hit by a car a month before my third birthday. And I realized in that moment that I had never processed anything about it. It happened so young. It was just, well, that's, you know, that's me. That's how my right foot looks, looks that these are the scars I have on my body from that, all those surgeries and the tendon transplant and the skin graft and all that. And it was just so, well, that's just how it was. So you want to look for those things because humans' greatest strength, our greatest strength is adaptability. That's how we can live in the hottest and coldest climates and places like Death Valley and the tops of mountains. We can survive anywhere. We're incredibly adaptable. But again, and this is one of my most fascinating topics, what's the shadow side of adaptability? It's a strength. What's the weakness? Compensation. Compensation. If you're in a car accident, you get whiplash and you know, you're, you're one of your cervical vertebrae is out off to the right. A chiropractor will tell you, you know, in a matter of days, you'll have a lumbar vertebra that goes off to the left. It compensates. It's trying to balance. Now, in a short-term way, this is a good thing. But over time, these compensations become problematic. So if you're in a life and death situation, remember that uh, it makes me weep to think about, I was a big fan of 24. There was this one moment, I think in one of the later seasons of, of 24, where Kiefer Sutherland's character cries for like three seconds and then like his phone rings and he's got to get back to it. I love that because they answer the question like, how is Jack Bauer emotionally processing all of this? You know, and he gets hooked on heroin and other things later on. But there was this beautiful place where you never get to see him eat or go to the bathroom, but you get to see him be human for just a moment. And it's like that. So we're, we're conditioned to think that people who compensate well are heroes. That's the Jack Bauer archetype. Nobody can do it. Jack Bauer has to save the world again. It doesn't matter that your wife just got killed. It doesn't matter that your daughter is held hostage. It doesn't matter that you've just got out of a Chinese prison and were tortured for the last 10 years. You've got to do it. Okay. And he does it. And we're supposed to think that's amazing. Well, it is. And it's completely unsustainable to live that way. You can't do that. 
The ability to do that, yes, that ability to compensate is extremely powerful. And what's also extremely powerful is being able to just sit there, turn your phone off and weep because that undoes the unhealthy compensation. But most people will spend their whole lives compensating and compensating and compensating and compensating. And then one day they get cancer or they have a heart attack or they stroke out or they're ignoring their minds, ignoring what's inside them so much that they get dementia, which is a physical manifestation of an emotional process called ignoring reality. You you get better at what you practice. So you practice ignoring reality long enough, it will become hardwired in you. So the adaptability of human beings, that's our biggest strength and our biggest weakness. So when we look carefully and get intimate with our weaknesses, that's what swings the inauthentic compensation toward the middle, you see? So it's healthy. So if you need to set aside a difficult moment, you know, if I'm working with a client and I say this happens probably every, I don't know, every six months or so, I'll say something to a client and realize I'm talking to myself too and I go, holy shit, I got to really look at that. That was for me as well as this person. I don't just stop everything. I'm responsible for serving the person. That's compensation. Okay, I'm setting that aside, going to deal with it later. That's compensation. I'm so glad I can do that. The same way I could run on a broken ankle if a tiger is chasing me. That's compensation. It's great that we can do that. But we also have to undo that, lest we start to think that's who we are and that's what reality is. So the rosy picture we have of our parents, and don't get me wrong, none, none of you were absurdly rosy. But there were just places where I could tell you weren't really looking deeply at how bad it was. And that's the compensation to undo for you, for your own power, not to blame your parents. Don't make the mistake of bringing, you know, when you complete your laundry list of parent complaints, don't make the mistake of bringing this to them. Don't do that. Again, whole other subject, how to do that and whether it's even worthwhile and whatnot. This is for you. This is for you. Because if you're going to reparent yourself, which is the job of any adult, you got to see what the deficit is, don't you? You got to see what wasn't parented. And that means seeing where they weren't enough. Not as a way, again, not as a way to blame them because they did the best they could. And that's the paradox of it. All parents do the best that they can. Even if it's really bad, it's easy to see, to bring compassion, be like, well, the way their parent raised them and, and so on. But this is not the place to do that. That's the background. They did the best they could. Now let's get really rigorous about seeing everything they left on the table because that's your table now. That's your table. And if you're going to reparent yourself, you've got to have a itemized punch list, if you will, of everything they missed. Or you'll become like them, (laughs) which happens, doesn't it? You can see it. Even when you really don't want to, especially when you really don't want to, and you have these moments where you see, oh man, I'm just like them. Why is that? Because you didn't thoroughly investigate enough how they put it into you. So going back to to the stuff about maintaining the parent-child hierarchy, 
I'm having trouble because I feel like my situation was the exact opposite. Like I have a very distinct memory of my parents telling me that I was going to be much smarter than they were. And I, that might've had its own shadow side and I'm sure it did, but what is I don't it? Know. I'm figuring it out. I hope, I don't know. I guess like I have, I rubber band between having really high expectations of myself and then not doing anything because I don't think that it's, I can, or not that I can, but I don't think that it's up to the expectations. Maybe I feel like that mine, but like, so there's the, the idea in my head. I think part of it is that I think I'm really arrogant or I was for a long time and I'm less now or less open about it. But that's what it does when, when parents, it's very difficult to find the center. And let's say that's perfection and nobody does that. So we're raised in this way on a continuum of you won't amount to anything or what's more common for people your age, millennial generation and below, is they're raised with the opposite a propping up that leads to entitlement and arrogance because that propping up can be, it's certainly way better than uh, you'll never amount to anything. But if it's not done in an emotionally healthy way, then it leads to arrogant and entitlement that the younger generations are infamous for these days. Yeah. So that's it. To see if you can find exactly what were the dynamics and how did that happen? Uh, And you don't have to be in that generation to have that happen. I was raised with very little boundaries and I got the same thing. I didn't get propped up, but I got implicitly propped up by not getting many boundaries. And I did basically whatever I wanted and got away with a lot of it. And that led to arrogance and entitlement in me that my late 20s, it was ground out of me like a fine powder and That's the challenging thing. If you had the first thing that you'll never amount to anything conditioning, you have to be built up. But if you got the other kind of conditioning, you need to be broken down. The ego does. It's usually one or the other. Sometimes both depending on the domain. But both are inhibitions of actual authentic power. Because for you, Zach, arrogance is quite defensible because you've got plenty to be arrogant about. And that's the best kind of arrogance there is. When people are arrogant and have nothing to be arrogant about, it's really hard to swallow, isn't it? But you're wonderful. You've got a ton to be arrogant about. But if you bring your brilliance and consciousness and meta perspective in the world to people with that arrogance, they'll contract from it, which creates a net loss of your power because you won't be able to reach them. You know, That's the challenge but you've got plenty of time to work on that. That's the good news. Way more time than I did. You're 10 years ahead of of me seeing your own arrogance. People were calling me arrogant when I was your age and I wasn't listening. (laughs) So that's good news. So yeah, in the name of your own power, throw out honor thy mother and father and adopt honor thy son and, and daughter. Because that's what it needed to be. Now, is it true that parents need a certain level of respect? And, and what? Yeah, sure. But it's also easy to see that the insecurity in parents causes them to wield that power inappropriately. 
authoritarianistically? Sure. That's now a word. Authoritarianistically. Authoritatively. Now, I like authoritarianistically better. More shadow in that. So I will concoct an assignment for you today. I don't know what it is yet. But uh, it definitely will involve looking at the... What I gave you was a kind of power history. And uh, it will involve looking back at that history and sort of looking sideways at what you did. What did you emphasize? What did you not emphasize? Where did you let your parents off the hook? Where were the places where you were too tough on them? But I, I wouldn't really pay attention to that. Where did you let them off the hook? You know, one of the things I saw in many of your assignments was the, the very direct, I think it's the first question, did your parents reach their potential? Many of you equivocated quite a lot on that. One person said yes and no. When I ask a yes or no question, I'm looking for one or the other. <laughs> that was a closed-ended question. That's a question that requires a yes or a no on purpose. And many of you tried to equivocate, well, in this way, this way, look, either they did or they did. If there's any yeah buts, the answer is no, right? So if it's no, then that's a really big deal to look at. Okay, your parents didn't reach their potential. Insert an entire book's worth of information about how they conditioned into you your power. Because when a parent doesn't reach their potential, they condition you about dreams, personal power, self-interest, the nature of sacrifice, the willingness to say you're going to do something and do it. Most of you reported that your parents were really good at keeping their word. I don't believe it at all. Look closer. Because 99% of people don't keep their word reliably in any way. And yet most of the reports I saw was that your parents did keep their word. And I got it. I thought about like, well, can I think of examples from my childhood where my parents broke their word? It's hard to remember that, but it's easy to see them doing it now. And they're the same damn people. (laughs) So that's another thing you can look at. Look now. How are your parents now? Because it's hard to remember how they were back then. But if anything, they're better versions of themselves now than they were then. So reverse extrapolate. You ever do the thing where you imagine, okay, I'm, you know, like I'm 46 now. And, you know, that's how old my father was when I was whatever, uh, you know, 18 or whatever it was. And you start to go, oh, wow. Yeah. So the confusions I have and the uncertainties I have, like, wow, you know, there's no way my parent knew about X, Y, and Z because they were, they were young. If you had parents, if you you had parents who were raising you when they were like 20, oh man, let me count the ways in which they had no idea what they were doing. Because if a 35-year-old parent has little idea what they're doing, I mean, a 20-year-old, you might as well be getting raised by a 12-year-old. Investigate that thoroughly. Again, in the name of you, in the name of finding all of what is still on the table to reclaim the power that was not reflected to you. Not as a way to make your parents bad or wrong. They loved you. They did the best that they could. And, 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 and. What did they miss? Okay, we're at time. Thank you for being here. Keep at it. Thank you for doing your assignments. Keep doing it. I'll talk to you soon. Aloha. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, 
Know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.